And what is up, podcast people? You're listening to The Soundcast, the official podcast of tracksounds.com. Yeah, it's me again, Christopher Coleman, your host, and I want to welcome you back. No doubt you've tuned in to check out our interview with composer Clinton Shorter, uh, who has composed the original score for the feature film District 9. Now, District 9 releases today, August 14th, 2009, and the buzz on the net has been furiously fantastic. Uh, most people seem to love this film. I look forward to checking it out tonight myself. But before I even saw the movie, I was able to hear the score from Clinton Shorter. And I have to say that uh, just from looking at the trailers and the clips that have been released online, um, the music looks like it's going to be a good match. Um, it's It's got a very dark and dank vibe, which was clearly the intent. But it also works in some um, indigenous African uh, instrumentation um, and vocal work, uh, which give it a, a bit of an edge uh, and a good an interesting edge. Um, if you're not familiar with District 9, well, you must not have been on the Internet for about six months because uh, their viral campaign has been aggressive and strong for, for quite some time and has really made uh, waves on the Internet and have, have kept um, fans engaged and really raise the level of anticipation for this film. Um, now, Clinton Shorter and his relationship with the director, Neil Blomkamp, goes back several years to 2005 at least, where uh, he worked with Neil Blomkamp on the short entitled Alive in Joburg, from which District 9 is based. Um, and so they have a unique working relationship there, and uh, we were able to sit down with the composer to talk about not only his music for this film, but also a little bit on just the impact of all of a sudden being attached to such a major release that is getting so much um, play on the internet. Um, it's attachment to director Peter Jackson's name and uh, all of that uh, that comes with uh, that kind of a high profile project. But before we get into our interview, uh, we have a clip from the score, which is going to be released at least for pre-order um, on Amazon.com today and uh, later on iTunes. I think next week you'll be able to find it on iTunes. So to start us off right, here's a clip from Clinton Shorter's original score to the film District 9. project uh, right now is uh, District 9 and uh, I'm my first question to you is that I'm curious about how, uh, how much attention uh, this project has drawn for you compared to uh, anything else you've done up until this point. It's not even comparable. It's, uh, it's, it's incredibly surreal at the moment. I've never experienced anything like this and uh, very exciting. Uh, a little nerve-wracking at the same time, but it's yeah. very, uh, very exciting. I'm really trying to enjoy it as much as I can and just soak it all in and have fun. Did Did you know it was coming? Did you know the onslaught of interviews and 
requests of all sorts were going to be coming because of this? No, we didn't really know how big this movie would be. I mean, I remember when I went and saw the first cut of it in January with Terry and Neil and um, Julian, the editor, and, um, you know, it was still in the sort of stages, and the first thing I said to him was, I said, you know, guys, this movie is the kind of movie me and my buddies would just be, you know, dying to see. It's a ton of fun. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I knew it was going to be good, and, and they were, you know, excited, but uh, nobody thought it would be like anything like this. I don't even think Peter Jackson and company thought it would be anything like this. So, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's gone out of control pretty quickly, but it's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's <laughs> a good surprise. That's the good kind of surprise that you want to get. Um, Absolutely. Well, this goes back to um, the 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 short Alive in Joburg, which was I think you guys did that in 2005, where you were working with uh, Neil Blomkamp on that. Was it a foregone conclusion that you, that he was going to have you do the score for District Nine? Well, no, because um, District Nine wasn't a foregone conclusion at all, because he was penciled in to do Halo. Yeah. And. I mean, that was going to be a $120 million feature, and I was fairly certain that Neil wouldn't be able to get me on that gig. So I, you know, I just kind of wasn't thinking about it too much. And then when I heard it fell through and heard that he was going to be starting to work on his own show, um, you know, he was on the other side of the globe. So we weren't talking that much, just the odd email here and there. Um, but, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, as much as I'm friends with Neil, I don't always, you know, you don't want to impose or make them feel uncomfortable that they feel like, you know, oh, I have to hire Clint or, because of course they're never, they're only going to hire you if they want to. Sure. So I never, I never put too much pressure on anybody. I know any directors I know, but um, Neil called me in November and just said, do you want to score it? And I, of course, just jumped all over it. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so no, it wasn't a foregone conclusion and the feature film wasn't a foregone conclusion right. either because it's not too often that a, 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 a short gets developed into a, a feature-length film that's of this size and magnitude. Right. Well, how much, when when you sat down with uh, Neil, uh, did you guys go back and say, okay, um, let's look at Alive in Joburg as a, as a template, not obviously for the movie as a whole, but for what you did musically? No, not too much. He really was challenging me um, quite a bit. Uh, especially for the first three weeks, it was it was a bit of work. I'm not going to kid you. It was uh, a lot of back and forth, a lot of experimentation, and um, you know, like for the for the short, it was you know we had an op a, a female operatic singer, and it was orchestrally based, and there was some percussion in there. Um, but this is just you know he was really pushing me. He was really wanting to sound much more African than anything else. Hmm. Uh, but there was a lot of going back and forth for us to figure out how to maintain the aggressiveness and the darkness that he was looking for mm -hmm. and keeping it African. Yeah. Because uh, uh, part of a lot, a lot of it was that, you know, it's, it's, it's out of, it's in the Southern continent and a lot of the music from there is of a positive nature. Yes. And the rhythms aren't very aggressive and the drums aren't very big. So, um, most of the stuff I was giving back to Neil, he just was, it's not dark enough, it's not dark enough, it's, you know, so um, we finally realized that um, to keep the as much of the African element as we could was going to have to be done with vocals and some of the smaller percussion, but we'd have to take liberties on everything else. Well, I guess having uh, aliens invade uh, South Africa gives you some license to <laughs> to, to expand <laughs> it beyond. It definitely does. <laughs> It'd be hard yeah, to have... And, uh, Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, and, and um, I, you know, mentioned this before, but but without giving too much away, there's a bit of a, you know, 
mutation that happens, so really we wanted to take advantage of having a sort of a hybrid score and having something that was, you know, going to sound, you know, there's a lot of technology in this film, and we really wanted to have the representative in the score, too, so it's a hybrid score for sure of orchestra and uh, uh, sound design and synth, which is right. way, it's, it's up my alley, that's my bag, so... can see how that would be a difficult balance between um, to, to, to make it a dark, have, give it a dark feel, but yet have it set in Africa. I mean, you couldn't have penny whistles, you know, <laughs> playing throughout a score that, like that. Well, that's exactly <laughs> it. Like kalimbas and a lot of these things are tuned in major scales. And, you know, it's, it was really tough. I, I played him like so many instruments. And uh, he was just like, dude, dude it's, just, it's just too high-pitched and thin and it's too sweet and cute. And, you know, yeah. I well... You know, I can get this this singer in who's really raw and edgy, and like we can have that as our lead instrument for the element for the main element, and everything else is just going to have to be, you know, like we're saying, liberties that we're taking. I mean, I got this. Uh, we tried some stuff in the northern part of the continent, which is much more aggressive. Um, I even took a liberty of even I cheated enough to have this Iranian guy come in. Uh, we have a big Iranian community here in Vancouver, and I had a guy come in and play some uh, Comanche, and. Uh, but again, it was the same kind of problem. It's a very small instrument. Um, it's a bowed instrument, and it's almost like a little mini banjo that you play upright. And um, again, it was just too high pitched for him and too thin. Um, so what I ended up doing was really treating this thing in my sampler and stretching it down a few octaves and created a very cool pad out of it. And it ended up being a bed for a bit of the movie for quite a few of the cues. And mm. you know, so I did. I really had to do some experimenting, which is fun. I love doing that stuff. So it wasn't like a chore for me at all. And you had the time and enough to, to be able to experiment like that and get the sound that you wanted? I did, for sure. I mean, I had three months. Uh, the first three weeks was just all experimentation. Uh, but then at that point, we had to get, I had to get down to doing a lot of writing. So okay. I, I took one day off in three months. So, <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I, so, um, my car didn't move much. Um, I'd see my friends, and they'd be like, wow, dude, you're pale. <laughs> I, I didn't get out much. Um, yeah, it was... Uh, it was it was a bit of a I, I I put a lot of time in, but it was well worth it in the end. I loved it. Well, um, what about Peter Jackson being involved? I know he gave uh, Neil Blokamp a lot of creative freedoms um, in making this film. Uh, of course, he's a creative director himself, and he knows good film music. Um, did he have any comments or suggestions about the the film score? Well, after Neil would approve everything, I would it would have to be sent off to him. Right. Um, I didn't get a I didn't get a single note back, so um, it was either him letting Neil do what he wanted, or he loved it. So I'm going to go with the latter. And <laughs> uh, yeah, but I, I you know I think it, it had more to do with him just trusting Neil than letting Neil do his own thing. Um, I mean, if you think about it here, we've got a first-time feature director, a first-time actor. Um, the screenplay was written by uh, Neil's partner, and it was the first one they'd done. Um, talking about uh, the DP had only done commercials up to this point. 
um, between me and Julian Clark, the editor, we were, you know, the guys that supposedly had the experience. And, you know, we'd done quite a few films and quite a few together, but nothing of this magnitude. And this is really just speaks volumes to Peter Jackson's belief that there are people with talent outside of the system. And, yeah. um, you know, it's a real testament to him, and, you know, we owe him a lot for that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that, that it must have been great, but also... Uh, and I, I'm not putting words in your mouth, but I, I guess I'm getting your reaction. Was it was it still he was looming out there? You know, you're still working f uh, on a project Absolutely. that is being presented oh, by anybody. Peter Jackson. <laughs> what was that Absolutely. like? There was always that because, you know, we were getting really tight for time, and I had to get stuff to the orchestrator, and, you know, there was always this, we hadn't heard back from him, and Neil was like, don't worry about it. He's going to prove it. It'll be good. And, I mean, there was always that fear for me that, um, you know, all of a sudden I'd come back and uh, Oh, it's all got to change, and you know, and what do you do? It's uh, yeah. It's, so there's always that looming, but um, fortunately, there was never a peep out of that end. So, it really allowed me and Neil to do our own thing. Okay. Well, it, speaking in more general terms, what who would you say some of your biggest influences are as far as composers or even outside of uh, film music? Uh, who 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 plays a Plays a well, big, uh, uh, Mark Eichen was the one that got me into it, and that was the Never Cry Wolf score. Um, okay. That was the first time I'd actually heard film score that I could relate to and connect with. I was a big fan of Thomas Newman just because I just really liked how he was experimenting with instrumentation on his scores and really pushing the envelope. And uh, so, you know, that was probably, I would say, my biggest influence when I was really, really listening. But now I just I listen to anything and everything I can get my hands on all right. the time. So. Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I put out to to the Twitterverse uh, some folks to see if they had any specific questions that they had for you, and um, I got a couple here. And let me just read you one real quick. It's from uh, Hey Frey, and he asks, um, uh, "What did you use for inspiration?" I know we talked about this a little bit already, but maybe you can elaborate. What was your inspiration for the music? Um, for District Nine, outside of the movie itself, and maybe outside of obviously the indigenous uh, instruments you're trying to work in, was there anything else? Um, you know, it was one of those things where I really had to just have it come from <laughs> the creative pool that I have inside. Because Neil, Neil really felt that he had a unique film on his hands, and one of the things he was telling me right from the get-go was that he wanted to hear this music that. He didn't even know what it was, and I needed to figure out what it, it was, uh -huh. uh, which is pretty much what you never want to hear a director tell you. <laughs> uh, so um, he was really challenging me to make it sound as uh, different as possible. Um, yeah, it's uh, yeah. I uh, if I could really pinpoint something, I would, um, and it's not me being um, some kind of you know arrogant guy to feel like I have no influences, and it doesn't sound like anything else, but. There was nothing specific that we were keying on that um, made us say, yeah, let's use this as our kind of our jumping off point. I mean, they had temp music from everywhere, all over the place. Like, it was just crazy the different types of music they had in there. So it was never really, wasn't really no temps by one film, and, and, and that was the guide. No, it was, it was jumping all over the place. Oh, I wish I had a better answer. But no, that's okay. Talking. That's good. That's good. Um, uh, to to maybe digress a little bit back to back to Halo when you knew that um, Neil Bokant was doing Halo, where you what were what was your mindset? Where you're like, man, I hope he gives me because you already said you're not going to put pressure on him, but were you yeah. hoping for that 
Well, to come. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure we, you know, a lot of guys would on be. the phone. <laughs> yeah, I, I had no, you know, it, it was it was a bit of a pipe dream to think that I would be able to, uh, just because I didn't think Neil would have that much control. I know how much Neil likes working with me and how much he likes my music and how much I know what he wants. Yeah. Um, but when you're talking about a film of that magnitude and that kind of that scope for, you know, $120 million budget, that would be a serious battle that he would have to fight in order to get me to do that. So I didn't really have any kind of, you know, fantasies all that great about me doing it. But, you know, in the end, the fact that it fell through yeah. was the best thing for everybody. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, we don't know what would have happened with Halo, but, I mean, in the end here, Neil got to do his own film. Yep. Um, and it looks like it's going to be a hit, and it allowed him to get the people that he's worked with the most in on it and gave us all a break. So, you know, in hindsight, it's a real blessing that uh, Halo fell through, and I'm pretty sure Neil feels the same way. Yeah, awesome. Well, what um, he, he's Neil Blokham, he's mentioned some other interviews that he's already kind of got his next, next project in mind. Um, has he talk to you at all about hey I, I know what I'm going to do next or have an idea uh, let's hook up again um, even if he did I wouldn't be able to tell you much but okay. uh, uh, he's um, he's just been like he's we've been texting back and forth and doing the odd email here just dealing with the album and everything else but uh, he is just you know a walking zombie he's doing so many interviews and so many screenings all over the world that uh um, I'm going to see him this Friday at screening, and uh, but I won't be leaning on him about any full, you know, further work. Sure. He's going to be done the whole dog and pony show sometime in September, and we'll probably hook up and go dirt biking or something, and, and just you know, yeah, talk it, I'll talk it up and see what his plans are. And but uh, yeah, my understanding is that he's looking towards a um, um, another sci-fi that's something he's been wanting to do for quite a while. That's going to probably be a bit of a, a Probably be a bit of a bigger budget, which won't be an issue for him now. Sure. And um, yeah, I, I hope I get the gig. Um, I'd love to do it, but uh, you know, there's just there's no guarantees in this yeah. business, and it's his film. And if he wants to go a different direction, I know it doesn't have anything to do with me and what I write. It just could be a different sound for the film. Sure. And uh, you know, I would say I'm pretty sure I have uh, a good chance of getting it, but uh, you know. Okay. Well, you mentioned a second ago uh, uh, the word album, uh, so I'm, I'm curious if there's if there's any formal plans. I've listened to the, the the promo music that's out there for you on District Nine, which is it's quite it's it's awesome stuff, and I and I think it deserves a release. I think it would do well. Oh, is there something in the works that you can talk about? Yeah, Sony closed the deal on Friday last week, and it's going to be hopefully available for pre-order on Amazon this Friday. Nice. And on iTunes, um, iTunes mid to mid to late next week. They're just uh, waiting for approval on some artwork okay. from the guys over in New Zealand. And uh, once that comes through, it's, it's all good. I've just already been mastered. It's all ready to go. that was our interview with composer Clinton Shorter, who has composed the original score to the film District 9, which releases today all over the place. Having heard some of these clips, and I'm sure um, after you've seen the film, you're going to be really intrigued by 
what uh, Clint Shorter has done for this film. And you're going to want to run out and get that soundtrack. Now, reportedly, it will be, as you heard in the interview, will be made available for pre-order today on Amazon.com and then next week on iTunes. So you'll be wanting to check that out. So that just about does it for this edition of the Soundcast. Yeah, like I said before, it's me, Christopher Coleman, your host and the show's producer. I hope you enjoyed this edition. If so, let us know about it. You can find a means to do that on the Soundcast page. If you can't find the Soundcast page somehow, all you have to do is go to uh, thesoundcast.blogspot.com. And that will take you to our Soundcast page. Um, or, you, and if you find that, that page, you can find on there a little uh, Google Voice button that you can click. It will call you, and you can leave me a voicemail. Or you can send us an email, scoremanatracksounds.com. Let us know what you think. Or you can Twitter it, or you can Facebook it, or you can whatever you want to with it, as long as you tell somebody about it. So that's going to do it for us. We thank you for tuning in and be on the lookout for another podcast very soon. Until then, enjoy that music. <laughs>